Hi, everybody. My name is Hafa Lombardino, and this is Translation Confessional. Before we continue, let me tell you a bit about Squarespace. I've been using it for both my corporate and my professional websites, and it's made a world of difference for my business. First of all, it saves me a lot of time because their web designing platform is so easy to use. I don't have to figure things out. I just add different elements to a page, check if it looks pretty, and publish it. I can move things around quickly and adjust my homepage as needed, so I can let you know about my upcoming classes, webinars, and speaking events. I've added different sections to the menu too as my content has started to grow, and everything is organized perfectly. Besides, Squarespace allows me to see what each page will look like in different formats, whether people are visiting my website on a computer, tablet, or smartphone. That way, I can make sure nothing looks clunky and everyone can get the information they need in a visually pleasant way. I can also check out some behind-the-scenes information to confirm that my outreach efforts are working. I can see where the traffic to my website is coming from, what keywords visitors used on Google searches to get to my content, and where in the world my audience is located, which is perfect when I want to explore some opportunities with translation clients in different markets. If you don't have a professional website yet, or if your current setup has let you down, I know for a fact that Squarespace is exactly what you need to recreate your business image and your brand so clients can find you. To give Squarespace a try and get 10% off your hosting plan, go to this webpage, bit.ly slash t3-squarespace. That way, they'll know that you've heard about them here at Translation Confessional. Once again, the webpage is bit.ly slash t3-sqa-r-e-s-p-a-c-e. Hope you like it. The language of emoji. Today we'll be talking about languages, translation, and interpretation from a different perspective. Let's explore the language of emoji. Have you ever stopped to think about how something we use every day to communicate with others could be completely misinterpreted? And as language professionals, did you know that there's no international dictionary to indicate what each emoji means? I often get requests to translate screen captures taken from instant message apps like text messaging, WhatsApp, and Facebook Messenger, for example. The topics usually range from someone suspicious about a significant other, communicating with someone in a language they don't understand, all the way to messages between two parties involved in a dispute. As it often happens, people aren't really formal when they're messaging someone. So besides understanding what people have typed, it's also important to understand the context in which those messages were written, including all the typos and grammar mistakes, slangs, abbreviations, and, of course, emoji. 
So whenever I have to translate instant messages, I have to first do a quick interpretation in the source language so I can translate each message in the target language in a way that fits the purpose. It's rare when clients want the messages to be reproduced faithfully, for lack of a better word, and ask for typos, errors, and emoji to be used in the translation. They most often want the message to be as intelligible as possible in the target language, which means that the same language register will be kept, but adaptations will need to be made to make sure that the translation stands on its own. Considering that, abbreviations will be written in full, and something vague or ambiguous will have to be explained in brackets, such as adding someone's name when a pronoun is used, for example, I call them, followed by John in brackets, just to clarify who is being talked about. That reasoning also applies to emoji being used during the conversation. In my experience, I've been asked to write a descriptive name in brackets to indicate what emoji was used in the messages being exchanged. However, this description not always indicates the true meaning intended by the party who wrote that message. I mean, by now, we're all savvy about the most popular emoji innuendos, such as the use of an eggplant or a peach emoji. But as I mentioned earlier, there's no international dictionary or authority to teach us all the possible meanings of an emoji, especially across different cultures. In order to further explore this fascinating subject, I sat down with Holly Silvestri, an experienced translator, interpreter, and founding member of the American Association of Interpreters and Translators in Education. She's also a tools and technology and translation alumna, since she took my class at the University of California, San Diego Extension, while pursuing her English and Spanish translation and interpretation professional certificate. After the break, it's my turn to put my learner's hat on while Holly tells us all about her research into the language of emoji. I'm sure you've heard that Audible is the leading library for audiobooks, right? But have you given it a try yet? There are literally hundreds of thousands of titles you can choose from, and you'll be saving tons of money if you sign up for a premium account. For $14.99 a month, you get one credit to download any book you want, whose price tag is usually around $20 bucks or so. Right there, you'd be saving money and keeping up with your book addiction at the same time. They have books in different languages too, and some classics are for free, so you don't have to apply your monthly credit to it. You just download the audiobook and enjoy it. And that goes without saying that they have some exclusive content read by incredible actors. So if you close your eyes, it really feels like you're at a theater listening to a play on stage. On top of that, you can also check out the latest trending podcasts. And yes, you can listen to Translation Confessional on Audible too. If you're not yet sure whether Audible is right for you, I dare you to give it a try. Get a 30-day trial and enjoy your first book for free. But I bet you get hooked on it and add audiobooks to your routine. Make sure you use the link in this episode's description so they'll know Translation Confessional sent you their way. 
Then come back to me and let me know what books you're listening to. I hope you enjoy it. Hi, I'm Dr. Holly Silvestri. I currently work at NCI, the National Center for Interpretation. I am the Senior Coordinator for Training, Translation, and Curriculum, which is a very long and obnoxious title. (laughs) But I also work uh, for myself. I have my own LSP, and I have taught in University of Arizona's Translation and Interpretation program. Thank you so much for joining us, Holly, especially to talk about such a fascinating topic. Where did the idea to write a paper about the language of emoji come from? Well, to be quite honest, I am not the emoji whisperer that everyone thinks I am now. I am, however, very interested in tech. And I did notice in my own life that I started receiving a lot more emails with emojis, job offers with emojis, and weird stuff like that. And I thought, hmm, this is weird. And then I started to Google like emojis in different aspects. And I thought, oh, wow, there's a lot of information out here. But nobody's really talked about it with respect to our profession. Then I got in contact with someone at Nagit and they said, well, we tried to put together a group to study this, but unfortunately everybody was busy. And I said, ooh, I volunteer. <laughs> so I put together a group of people that I have known through various connections, uh, professional and personal, and um, who are also you know, technophiles and were interested in, re- in doing the research from the perspective of their own cultures and adding to what I had already come up with. And I think we came up with an interesting and solid paper. Nice. Yeah, I have to say that I'm guilty. I answer my emails with a lot of emojis sometimes. Once I'm familiar mm-hmm. with a client or the colleague, put a little smiley face just because email sometimes is so cold. So it's better to just express how you're feeling. And uh, if something is frustrating, there's a little frustrated uh, emoji that I like to use too with a client that was sending me a file and he just wasn't downloading. It was too heavy. So it's just good to just have that connection and emojis uh, help, at least in my opinion. Yeah, too much of it is too much. No, absolutely. And a lot of the research does say that some of the reason that this started is because it's really impossible to know the the tone of an email. And these kind of soften everybody's, you know, sharp edge. If the email is short, you can add a smiley face and then it doesn't appear as curt, that kind of thing. So it does have a function, a linguistic function and a, and a proximic function. I think um, sometimes it does get a little excessive. Yes, it's like the exclamation points and, you know, mm-hmm. it's the style that people use and emoji just became part of that style. Absolutely. If you could just explain the difference between emojis, emoticons, smiley faces, stickers, because there's so many different uh, names for all the graphic images images that we see uh, in text. So if you could just summarize each one of them and tell, tell me about how they're different. Absolutely. The first thing I would say is I like to use the term graphicon, right? Graphical icon. That's a larger term that encompasses also GIFs, right? GIFs were not something that we dealt with, but it doesn't encompass emoticons, emojis, smileys, and stickers as well. So I figured let's use the term that's used by a lot of the other uh, researchers. There is a lot of confusion out there for a variety of reasons. They overlap in some senses, the definitions. People tend to think that in some cases they're synonymous. They may not know about one but they know about another and they assume, oh, they're just the same thing. I looked up the definitions and it's true. Even the definitions in the dictionary have references to the others. So there's a very nebulous kind of feeling about this field. What exactly is what? 
But for the purposes of our paper, we decided to talk about emojis as small images or symbols or icons that are used in text fields in digital or electronic communication, for example, text messages, email, social media, that express an emotional attitude of the writer or convey information succinctly or communicate a message playfully without using words, that kind of thing. Uh, emoticons, which I personally view as kind of the pre-emoji, and I think a lot of people do as well, are a group of keyboard characters, right? The colon, the dash, closed paragraph, right? That sideways face <laughs> is an example of the emoticon. These typically represent a facial expression, and they also express an attitude or an emotion, right? That is also used in all of these kinds of computerized communications. The smiley, sometimes called the smiley face, is also a digital icon, can be a sequence of keyboard symbols, handwritten or printed equivalent, which usually represents a facial expression that's smiling, winking, etc. It also has usually got an upturned curve for a smile and a couple of eyes at its very base. Stickers are new in the sense that uh, they were added by a third-party application like Facebook, iMessage, Messenger, and they're not standard, right? Emoji tend to be standardized by Unicode, at least the allowed emoji. Therefore, stickers are much more custom and they're sort of expanding quicker but they have a limited use because they're an outside application that needs to be used with, right? The stickers in Facebook need to be used with Facebook, etc. And so they rarely also work across platform and that can be problematic. So that's really what we're talking about as far as the definitions. Okay. And I have two comments about that because you said GIF and tech right. people like us, we know that there's a huge debate. Is it GIF or GIF? Because it comes uh -huh. from graphic and graphic has a G sound instead of a G exactly. sound. Exactly. <laughs> yes. I, I, I encountered that as well. That's just my preference because GI for me is a J <laughs> phonetically. And I understand that it comes from graphic, but it sounds weird to me to say GIF because it's like, no, there should be a T on the end. Where's my gift <laughs> for <laughs> exactly. me? So. But it's just but funny because, yeah, it's, a, it's an age-old debate with the tech people. It's like, it's this way or this way. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. But the other thing that I was going to say is that there's another one that doesn't go into uh, your research, but memes, mm. because they became just uh, yeah. huge recently of people just creating images on top of images to just communicate a joke or something trending. And uh, the funny thing is that while you're talking about all the differences between these graphic elements, 
I remember that uh, a few years ago, I posted a picture of my son. He's all dressed up as cars from Pixar. He has the little oh, yeah. um, the little shoes and everything. And he just has his face like he's just giving me the eye roll. Like, oh, mom, you really have to take this picture right now. And I posted that. It's really cute. And then one of my friends said, oh, you have your own emoji at home. And I'm like, <laughs> wouldn't that be a meme? Because <laughs> I created right. a meme with a picture of my son. Like, oh, the eye roll, the classic eye roll. So I just think it's funny that people use the names interchangeably. But there's all this research behind, like you've been doing, and trying to categorize everything and how the history comes from just using parentheses and, and periods to now graphic elements that move and sometimes have sounds mm -hmm. incorporated. So it's just fascinating from a communication perspective. Absolutely, from a social linguistic perspective as well. It's interesting what you said just triggered for me like, oh, life imitates art. Now the emoji is being imitated by a human as opposed to the emoji representing a human. Who knows where we're going next? Robots imitating emojis? Who knows? <laughs> exactly. It's just, it's, it's fascinating. But we're very used to seeing that in communication in social media in our interactions. And how did you relate that to our profession, to translation and interpretation? Well, we start off talking about all of the factors that are problematic in the interpretation in the general sense of the word, right? In how you receive the message and comprehend it. It's much more complicated than people realize. You know, everyone's like, oh, a simple smiley face. Well, yes, but you have used in sarcasm, not used in sarcasm. How is it represented? Because we found that unfortunately, things are not the same across platforms. The emoji may not appear, even though it's in Unicode, the same on different platforms. Sometimes it appears much more like an emoticon, and that has an effect on how it's received by the, the person that's receiving it, right? And people don't really know the fact that a lot of uh, emojis, while they're standardized, quote unquote, by Unicode, don't appear the same on a lot of platforms. The general platforms that people use are pretty standard. But there are a lot of platforms that you can receive, you know, digital communication on. And some of them, the smiley face emoji looks like two dashes and, a, and, a, and an upturned, you know, parentheses. And that to me is an emoticon. So you can see where the definitions and the actual use coincide in this nebulous kind of what is it <laughs> issue. Exactly. And I was reading a draft version of your final research. And it was fascinating to me, the Western Eastern kind of comparison, because like I said, it comes from interpreting the meaning behind these uh, graphics. So uh, it was funny because even though it's Western culture, but I have a client from France and we've known each other for, I don't know, 15 years now. And she would always send me smiley faces with uh, characters from the keyboard. And it's the opposite of what I've been doing since, you know, the ICQ age back in the 90s, which is just the smiley, the parentheses, a little dash for the nose, and then the colon for the eyes. She does it the opposite. She uses the number eight as the eyes first, and then oh, she wow. uses the dash for the nose and the parentheses for a smile. So uh, I just thought it was, a yeah, with the almost glasses, eye. yes, almost wow. glasses with the number eight. So I just think it's fascinating because she's still like, you know, Western culture from France. I just don't know where it comes from. That's one of the things that I was thinking when I was reading uh, your comparison about uh, different uh, kinds of uses or representation. So could you talk a little bit more about wow. the Western Eastern comparison? Absolutely. What you say triggers, I mean, there is probably much more of a, an Arab influence 
in France than there might be in some other European countries. So that could be a factor. But I'm di I digress. I'm going off on a tangent. Let me start with the issue of East versus West was very interesting. This was Cyber Psychology Journal. Wow. That I read this article in and they were talking about how the perception of emotion through emojis and just generally is culturally related. And it is, I think, in some senses, if you think about it, I know I lived in Japan and for many, many years, I couldn't get over how often I would see people in Japan when they smile, cover their face, right? They, they hesitate to show their teeth. They hesitate to show the smile. And it did trigger with when I read the, the research that emotion tends to be shown through eyes rather than the mouth. Whereas in Western cultures, it's true. The mouth, that big smile, uh, you know, or the big frown is what triggers the emotional response and is, is signaling the emotional response for Western cultures, at least in my own experience. And this is absolutely true when you look at the emojis that are created for the Arab world, which was a very interesting find by my Arab speaking colleagues. They were like, well, there's a whole set that's created just for use in the Arab world, right? Obviously, each country is going to create their own emojis, maybe food related, right? So the sushi emoji is going to be used probably mostly in Japan, although it has crossover. But the fact that the face emojis had bigger eyes in the Arab world was really, really interesting to me because it relates to this whole idea of, wow, the eyes are where the emotion lies. So they made the eyes bigger, which I found very, very cool. Could you highlight an example of an emoji that is misunderstood in different languages, countries, or cultures? Absolutely. So we know that in our field, almost everything is culture-related. Talk about slang. There's slang use of emojis, right? Because the, the actual visual emoji, say, for instance, the clapping emoji. Culturally based in the United States or in the Western world, we use it for acceptance, applause, you know, bravo, kind of an emotion that we want to relay. And it is generally accepted that way. But I was talking to some of my um, Mandarin speaking colleagues and, and texting with them. And I, I said, well, what do you use this for? Because they were like, no, it doesn't always mean that. And I was like, really? And they said, well, currently in China, it's being used as a, as a stand-in for sexual relations. And I was like, oh, well, that's odd. <laughs> But it must be that somebody didn't want somebody to know they used this emoji as a sort of stand-in once, and you know it catches like wildfire. One person uses it, and then the young people take it over, and it suddenly becomes a thing. And apparently that's what happened with this emoji. And I was like, wow, who knew? I've been sending congratulations to people in Mandarin. And apparently having to insult them sexually. So, uh, <laughs> problem. That's, that's funny because we, we use fruits and vegetables here. We see a variety of you oh, know, yeah. fruits and vegetables being peach, used for that. Hmm. Yes. Exactly. But I never thought about clapping emoji, which sometimes people also confuse, not just the little face with the little hands clapping, but the other one with the kind of high five or the mm -hmm. hands together. Is it praying? Is it clapping? So I've seen a lot of controversy around that too. And, exactly. uh, and it even goes into the uh, LOL of how some people think that it's uh, lots of love and then it's uh, laughing. So sometimes like, oh, someone, my, my dog is uh, sick or oh, LOL. And it's like, that's insulting. Don't laugh at my dog being sick. No, I'm just sending lots of love. So it's just a communication uh, noise that we see with all these uh, representations of emotions just, you know, through graphics or through through acronyms. It's just, it's fascinating. But it does prove the point that you need to clarify the meaning. These all have multiple meanings. The other issue that we came to consensus on was that 
even though you can see emoji dictionary, list of emojis and their meanings on the web, there's no one source you can go to and say, what does this mean? It's always within the context and the speakers need to come to sort of agreement on what this means. And we all know that that sometimes doesn't work, <laughs> right? There's no agreement and someone gets insulted by whatever you say in the spoken word. And it's just doubled when we talk about adding these graphical images that have multiple meanings. That's what I was going to say, because we have dictionaries for words and sometimes words evolve and change their meaning, but it happens way faster with images because like I said, people have been using it for different things and then it just catches on, right? Absolutely. You know, just take, for example, the current use. I know I work a lot in schools and the current use of the Canadian maple leaf as a substitute for marijuana on students' phones is pretty amazing. <laughs> hey, parents out there. See, I <laughs> have no idea. Yeah, my kids are yeah. a little too young to be texting about that. But yeah, I had no idea. Uh, they always have, you know, some of those late night shows that the hosts are, you know, in their 50s or 60s. And they're always like, oh, I don't know what these kids are doing. So they always bring a staff who is in their 20s or something to just make fun of the slang and the use of emojis. So that's that's perfect because that's how I feel sometimes. Like I remember using those things in the 90s when it was just, you know, starting with ICQ and other uh, instant messaging programs. And now it just it takes life of its own. Each generation will use it differently. It's, it's fascinating, but it's also frightening because you get outdated on that oh, after a while. Quickly. Yes. Very, very quickly. And I think that's probably the reason we haven't seen, you know, any kind of a dictionary because you put it up on the web, right? And three weeks later, it's outdated because somebody has come up with a new use for X, Y, or Z. Exactly. Or then a new image shows up, they create a new mm -hmm. one, they change uh, some of the characteristics, like you were talking about the bigger eyes, and they also finally came up with different colors, uh, so it can represent a wider spectrum of skin tones. So that's that's awesome. And we even had the, the word of the year that was an emoji. Yeah. And emojis themselves were, I think it was 2017 or 2019, I can't remember, Fundación de Español Urgente which is where if, if it's a great source, if you're an interpreter and you don't know what's going on in the in Twitter and things like that, and you see a symbol or some or a word, uh, go there. They have a lot of information. They uh, awarded emojis and emoticons as one unit. Again, the confusion over what they are, their honor of word, quote unquote, of the year. So it's very topical. This this whole issue of emojis and emoticons is is fascinating on a lot of fronts for that reason. Yes, yes. And the, bringing the idea of interpreting this, the, the meaning behind these uh, graphic images, uh, how could you relate that with the work that interpreters do? Not just spoken interpreters, but sign language interpreters. How would you relate the, the whole uh, reasoning behind understanding how each element is used so that we can have a communication more effectively? Let me just say that this, you know, ASL interpreters were included because uh, the use of text messaging has grown exponentially amongst the deaf community, and it has allowed them to, to automatically and autonomously communicate with the hearing community without having to go through an, the intermediary of an interpreter. So that's the reason that they were included. In addition, of course, they work in courts. And with the explosion of these kinds of communications in all aspects of your life, right? You see them in business communication. You see them in, uh, in texts amongst professionals now. This kind of thing ends up in court. The United States, unfortunately, is a fairly litigious society. And anytime you see any kind of a dispute, 
it's going to end up <laughs> in court in some fashion. So a lot of this then started appearing once these became much more common. Uh, they started appearing, of course, generally with harassment and sexual harassment suits, you know, sending someone a picture of the aubergine or whatever <laughs> it is viewed as harassment. But it, it's now, uh, you know, in several law journals, there are always articles on, you know, digital law is changing now and the perception of the law is changing. It used to be like, oh, this is not real communication. And now it really is. And it has solid grounding in law that it has a meaning and we can litigate based on whatever the meaning is. But lawyers are just as desperate as interpreters to find out what is the meaning in the particular context. And there's nowhere to go for that. So what we thought is it's really good to have some kind of a way that we give best practices for interpreters who are in medical or legal, you know, high stakes settings that are going to encounter these. We already have in many cases. I know I have in some legal interpreting in schools, there's discipline committees where they say, you know, what does this say on the phone? And it's in Spanish and I have to interpret in English, but it's littered with emoji. And I was like, okay, how do I deal with this? Right? So. Our recommendation is in when you're doing those site translations in any kind of a context like that, first of all, clarify with the person who sent it, if you can, right? What did you mean? And this, you know, what is the name of this emoji for you? So that you're not interpreting as the interpreter, you know, interpreting in the sense of comprehending something different than the sender of the message. And also, we recommend if there, if there is no way to do that clarification on the spot, that you just say the word emoji when an emoji appears. Don't describe it, don't list it, don't name it, because all of that is also already biased by your interpretation of what it is, which may not be the same interpretation of the person who is sending it. The other thing that we said, something that we can control as interpreters, but hopefully the lawyers who are listening will hear this, that if it's in court and you're doing the site translation of, of evidentiary material, we, we recommend that it's reproduced large in the native tongue with the emojis so that the jury can see it. Even though you're sight translating, the visual element is important, especially if you're going to sight translate like we do, emoji, emoji, emoji. The jury, of course, needs to be the ones who are interpreting this for the evidentiary purposes and to make the decision, not you. And I think that is a best practice, is us staying out of any kind of bias or partiality or implicit bias of our own, like that emoji means this for me, therefore it means this. No, you have to stay out of it. And in medical settings, it's just as important. We discovered in our research that emojis are being used now because of the incredible rise in telemedicine. They're littered in the, the communication back and forth between LEP patients and their healthcare provider, whoever that may be, because of their prevalence. People didn't think beforehand. We also discovered that some people are trying to come together and create a group of emoji that would be accepted as the medical emoji so that they're standardized. And we recommended, although it's not something that interpreters have control over, that those be culturally vetted. For instance, you know, it's an, it's an ambulance emoji. Great. What do we put on the side of that ambulance, right? Otherwise, it's just a white car. Do we put the cross? Do we put the red crescent? Do we put anything? Do we put the English word ambulance? because English is dominant or not, right? So there are a lot of factors, culture and language, factors that need to be looked at before that set is, is made, because they have to be cross-culturally vetted. If you're going to use them to communicate with people across the nation, you have LEPs that may or may not understand if they're not you know, cross-culturally vetted. So there's that issue. 
And of course, clarification in their use in medicine is also very important because they can have multiple meanings. You know, once you get to that set, even the context can vary the the meaning of the emoji if you're using it for, I don't know, pre-surgery instructions or something like that. You know, you have to clarify, is this what you mean by that emoji before you do any kind of interpreting of it, I think. Yeah. And as you're telling me about it, I never thought about it because I'm not an interpreter at all. So just thinking about how important it is for you to just take a step back and not interpret the message before rendering the interpretation. So um, it's it's something that the, I think my first reaction was, what if a lawyer or a judge thinks that you as an interpreter are incompetent because you're not doing a good job? You know what I mean? Because a lot of people don't know what we do. They don't understand what it is to interpret or translate. When you ask for someone to clarify something, it may be kind of uh, upsetting to a lawyer. I see so many people that work in the courts that, oh, this lawyer today thought that they could speak Spanish and they just try to take over while I was doing my job. So I can only imagine how much worse it can be when you're trying to interpret the meaning of an emoji and then doing your job, rendering that message when it's something so subjective and so new that we don't have decades of studying interpreting emojis as we do interpreting languages. And we did think about that when we, when, when we made the consideration, like, Render the word emoji, that's it. You know, that could be viewed as, what are you, what are you doing? <laughs> emoji, 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 emoji. That makes no sense. You know, tell them what the emoji is. I can see that happening. But when we discussed it, we did come to the conclusion that all that information that we put in the paper beforehand, before the recommendations, is our factors in that. And we can't render the interpretation without, you know, neutralizing it in the sense of using the word emoji. And that's why we included a long introduction with all of the factors that go into these these considerations before we made the recommendations. It would have been a very short paper if we said, it's good to do this and it's good to do this. But we considered that it was really important that we let people know that we had thought about this long and hard and, and put it into categories like, what about this? And this is this consideration. And this is why this is important to think about. And it's not just an immediate, oh, this means this for emojis at all. So we hope that the general public will read it out of interest because I think it's kind of interesting to some of the some of the factors that we we consider. Um, and lawyers and judges will also read this, but um, we our primary aim was to give the best practices with all of the information that went into the thinking about the best practices, so people could see that it's not oh we thought this and therefore that we did do some serious thinking about all of the factors that are involved. Yeah, and right now as we're speaking, it's still in the final editing stages. It will be published Absolutely. soon. But I just wanted to get the word out. And as soon as it's out, you let me know and I can just send the link to everybody who's listening right now to Transition Confession. We'll follow up on it. Because just reading the draft, I really fell in love with the research. It's just really amazing. Things that we use every day and we don't think about it as much, right? And uh, from just a communication person, it just it's really fascinating. Just combining the communication and technology, that's, that's my jam. Thank you so much for sharing that with me. I really love talking to you and keep us updated when it comes out. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having us. And we are excited that it will be coming out. And I'll let you know there'll be multiple venues. It's going to come out in some newsletters and on some websites. So people will have access, but um, just give me a little bit longer to make sure that all the citations are correct. And I'll get back to you with the details. Yes. It's hard work to research, right? Yes. Perfect. Thank you, Thank you so much.
send me an email at rlombardino at wordawareness.com or leave a voice message on my anchor page. If I get enough feedback and voice messages, I can go back to the subject and post a special podcast episode with everyone's opinion on this very same theme. By the way, my anchor page is anchor.fm slash translation dash confessional. I look forward to hearing from you. Stay tuned for weekly episodes and subscribe to Translation Confessional through your favorite podcast app.